I just want to acknowledge, and I think we just need to acknowledge at this point in, in time, that, that God is doing some things in a lot of people in the church. Who, who senses that? God is really doing, has a move, there is a move of God over many in the church. Many are experiencing, as they come into his presence, that he is sick. We can't just go into the mode that we would always go into. We've done this a thousand times before. We love going to church. It's a good routine. It's a good discipline. We've got to come here ready to hear what the Lord might reveal to us, but it's a participation. We're doing it together. We're standing here with our hands open wide, ready to hear what the Lord might have. So I really felt that I just needed to say that this morning, and I probably said that in many different ways over, over recent months, that it, this, is, this is a participation with the Holy Spirit when we come on Sunday mornings. This is not a presentation. We come, we hear, we, we, in, we, we let the Holy Spirit speak. And I can tell you it's a beautiful thing at this point in time, and this is not an ad, but we've got, you know, last... The last week we've had 70 people in prayer. Okay? 70 people in prayer across three different meetings, two Zoom and two and one on a Sunday morning. 70 people. It might be more, it might be slightly less, but it's somewhere around there. The point is, because so many people, and there's more of you I know, just wanting to be in the presence of the Lord. You go into the presence of the Lord, you seek his face, and there he is. And everything then gets ordered in its, its rank of importance from then on. Because he is exalted and he is lifted up. And that's what we seek. We seek for the, for, for the Lord to be lifted up. For the Lord to be our focus. And from there, we walk out, empowered in the Holy Spirit, ready to minister as he has directed. So today... I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to be here. I'm going to ask him to minister because I feel like I've got a message that needs to be preached. But it's just, it's, it's opening the word of God. And there's a whole lot of things that I'm going to say. But while I am speaking, and I hope to say one or two words and then get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit speak. But while I'm speaking, you, you've got to be asking, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Because I want to hear you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want, I, I want, to be, I want this, this vision for my life to, to, to be empowered and to, uh, to well, show me the vision for, for my life. So Lord, we just, we're here. We're ready. We've been ready. We're here for this whole service. We've been ready to hear your prompting. And we've worshipped you. And we've lifted you up. And we, we just want to tell you that we love you right now. We just lift you up in the highest place. You're worthy of all our praise. So, Lord, we're here. We want to hear the Holy Spirit speak. Let us have our ears open, our eyes peeled, ready to understand how you might prompt us, the word might come alive to another level in another way, and that we might walk into this life empowered. And right now, Lord, I just also want to pray, just feel heavy on my heart to you, pray for our Ukrainian brothers and sisters who this week, uh, it was the one year since, since the war started. Lord, I pray that you will continue to strengthen them, 
give them everything they need. And not too far away from them, the people in Syria and Turkey still struggling. Move in them. Move in there, give them sustenance, give them every physical need, but Lord, give them hope. So Lord, we're here, we're ready, we're waiting, we want to hear from you. We don't want, to, don't want anything else but you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, today we're going to start a new series in the book of Luke. And uh, we're running up to Easter. We're running up to Easter. There's seven weeks, I think, to Easter. Eight messages. No, I don't want that. That's all right. Thank you. Um, and we're going to be looking at some really important, refreshing truths that are central to our faith. And we're going to call them core truths. Core truths. You know, I was really challenged in my personal time with the Lord recently because, um, it, it, and it was really, it was a warning against falling away from Hebrews 5. It's a warning against falling away. It was basically, it's basically saying you can't grow further because you no longer try to understand. And that was convicting to me. It, it says, by, by this time you ought to be teachers, but someone needs to teach you the simple core truths about Jesus all over again. And I, I guess the reminder for me was that the more that I seek to grow in the Lord and the more I seek of the Spirit, the more I seek His power and His presence, the more I want to see Him face to face, then the more I need to be understanding and seeking to understand the core truths from the Bible about the kingdom of God because it intensifies my further growth. Some may call it fundamentals. Music has scales, sport has drills. But if you get the basics right and you build a firm foundation, you'll be ready for the storms. But also, you'll be ready for the explosion and the awesomeness of what God wants to do in and around you. Amen? So we're going to base these reminders over the coming weeks on core truths that we find in Luke. Uh, we're looking forward to what God wants to do as we head to Easter. And then we're going to, beyond that, we're going to head to Pentecost and we're going to go through the book of Acts and we're going to look at what God wants to say to us when the Holy Spirit came in power. And I encourage you to go home today, after today, and read Luke chapters 1 to 5. And then in preparation for next week, read Luke chapters 6 to 8 because there's a lot to cover and we're not going to cover all of it. But we're going to draw out some core truths from this. Now, a little bit of background on the book of Luke. It was written by Luke, uh, obviously. He's a doctor and he's a travelling co-worker of Paul. Uh, he wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but he may have been part of the 70 um, that, that Jesus called in Luke 10. He really wanted to write an orderly account. I mean, he was a doctor. He's probably uh, aware of the, uh, how important it is to have all the details correct. He wrote an orderly account so that his readers may know the certainty of things that they had been taught. Now, this whole narrative is full of Old Testament motifs and, and images. And, and Luke's purpose is to show that this is not a new religion. It's not new. 
It is the fulfillment of an old one. And God's promises to Israel are coming through Jesus the Messiah. He really wants to solidify how all of these facts prove the fulfillment of God's covenant story in the world. And the book of Luke is the longest of all Gospels. It starts earlier in Jesus' life uh, with his birth and his childhood and it ends later than any other with his death, resurrection and ascension to heaven. But the book basically starts and ends in Jerusalem. And it's always kind of throughout the whole book, it's kind of charting a course on the way to Jerusalem where ultimately he laid down his life for all mankind. So in Jesus, a different king was born. Perhaps not the expected one. He was a different king than the the Messiah that the Jews were expecting. And this is where our core truth for today becomes clear. Our core truth for today is that Jesus came for everyone, not just the few chosen people. Jesus came for everyone not just the few chosen people. Regardless of race, age, position in society, broken or whole, he came for everyone. You know, I remember when it hit me me like a truck one day, not literally, but almost, uh, that there were other people in this world other than me. Now, that seems awfully normal. Of course there's other people in this world other than me. I mean... Wake up, Paul. But I remember driving around in the back streets of, I think, Bentley, for some reason, I was there for work. It must have been in my early 20s, but it hit me like a ton of bricks that there were people in each of these houses around me in these back streets with their own lives, their own joy and their pain, and their own thoughts, their own struggle, quite independent of mine. Has anybody else felt this feeling? Yeah? Okay, one person. Good. (laughs) Not as weird as I thought. Uh, For some reason, this experience was brought to mind while I was preparing this message. And so I I did what we we all do, and I googled this phrase. Realisation that there are people in this world other than me. Yeah? I googled it. And... uh, It sounds crazy, but lo and behold, other people have experienced it, and there's actually a lot of writing on it. Uh, It's called Sonder. It's called Sonder, and it's the realisation that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. Or it's the realisation that everyone around you has a life outside of yours, complete with their own thoughts and their own feelings and emotions. And I guess for me at the time, it was, it was a profound realisation that, that Jesus wasn't just for me. Not just for me. There are others coming from other directions of life that he died for, that he came to touch and he came to set free. It was a realisation that I am not the centre of my universe. Jesus is, that he was a different king who wasn't sitting on a lofty throne, but he he came with the opportunity for everyone to interact with him. Kind of like 
him in the centre and everybody orbiting around each other and, and, and interacting with him. And he came to form a kingdom of God much greater than me and a few Christian friends that I like. For me, it was a period of time when the Spirit was revealing to me who everyone else was in light of the fact that Jesus was for everyone. And I just feel like I just need to ask the Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to truly understand what what it means to be a disciple that represents Jesus to everyone? Who is our everyone? Maybe it's too small. Now I'm going to run through a whole bunch of people in the first five chapters of Luke that seeks to uh, present uh, that Luke seeks to present as those included in this everyone category. Okay, so we're going to run through a bunch of uh, scripture, and I would say that even by the end of chapter two, uh, Luke was really intentional to present people from all ages that almost any one of us could identify with. So we have an older couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were surprised to have a child at last, that being John the Baptist. We have a young girl in Mary and her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, who were to birth and bring up Jesus. And we have an old man and a woman in Simeon and Anna, ready to die, hanging out in the temple, worshipping, just waiting for the Messiah, the true Messiah to come and to be revealed. And here, it's where Simeon prays a beautiful prayer. He's holding baby Jesus and Simeon Simeon knew who he was. And he says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 30, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon was so at peace that he felt he could die then, knowing that Jesus had been revealed as the light for all people, all people, the Gentiles, which is literally all people that are not Jewish. But he was also there for his chosen people, Israel, who were the Jews. So we move on and in chapter 3, verse 1 to 20, we see John the Baptist and he's the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth the old people that we talked about before. And his role is to point, Jesus, point to Jesus, point the way to Jesus. He was a unique individual. He was a Nazarite. That meant he had a simple life of abstinence according to the Old Testament vow he took. He wore clothing made of camel's hair, With a leather belt around his waist, his food was locust and wild honey. It gives some of us confidence that whatever our fashion and taste in food is, Jesus is for us as well. And I just had a thought about food and I think, you know, Pastor Chi likes eggs with everything and we forgive him for that. Pastor Penin, who uh, likes stinky, stringy, squiddy stuff. Uh, that he brought into the office or someone, I think maybe Shamila brought it into the office and it stunk out the whole office. Maybe, uh, I don't know who brought it in, but Jesus loves you too. (laughs) 
But following this in chapter 3, Luke launches into his genealogy, which is really trying to establish Jesus' credibility on a much grander scale. His lineage is traced uh, as the son of Joseph, as it was assumed, uh, right back through through David, Abraham, and then beginning with Adam, who was the father of all mankind, the father of everyone. It was, again, it was supporting the fact that Jesus was a king for all because he was in the line from Adam. And he was the son of the Spirit. And there the devil tempted him, attempting to to get him off his mission. And he was tempted with all authority and all power and all the kingdoms of the world, if only he would worship the devil. But in humility, Jesus quoted scripture back to the devil, saying, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus knew his mission. Jesus knew the unlikely people that he was coming to serve. Jesus knew that he was coming in weakness, not to elevate himself as an earthly ruler. Jesus was a different king. And then we find Jesus back in his hometown, Nazareth, going to the synagogue on on the Sabbath. And this is where he effectively launches his kingdom ministry and his mission. And as he often did, he stood up. The scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. And he read a familiar passage to the listeners. And we're going to read it now. From Luke chapter 4 and starting at verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he rolled up the scroll. Gave it back to the attendant. And sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. You know, everybody was listening and they, they knew the book of Isaiah well and that's where Jesus was quoting from. So they would have known for sure that this passage was referring to the Messiah, the, the anointed one, the promised one, the saviour of Israel. So firstly... Hearing him name himself as the Messiah was a grand claim. Saying, I'm the guy that you've been waiting for. That the scripture was fulfilled today. I'm him. That would have been confronting, overwhelming for those people. But secondly, rather than being the all-powerful, vengeful king, that they wanted. He was talking about the good news of the kingdom being for the unlikely people, for the poor, the sick, the freedom for the oppressed and for prisoners. Now this was a direct reference to the year of Jubilee, which is like a Levitical law that after 50 years, slaves were set free. The land was rested and people rested. And effectively, it it was a correction to the tight-fisted, hard-hearted people to deal with the heart. 
Jesus was saying, I'm setting people free. And not just the people that you expect. Jesus was saying, I am the hope of salvation for these people. Not just the Jews, not just the perfect, not just those who behave, but for the poor, the broken, the downtrodden. And this becomes like a theme for the whole book of Luke that you will see. It says they were amazed at his gracious words. Because they were different, they were full of hope and grace and it was foreign to them. But their amazement didn't last long. Because when he brought up their favourite prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and he said even they ministered to non-Jewish widows and lepers, they didn't seem to like that. They were furious. So they drove him out of town towards a cliff and in true Jesus style, he kept on walking back through the crowd. As we continue through chapters 4 and 5, we find Jesus keeps demonstrating this premise that he came for everyone. Like he was driving out demons from the local crazy guy, he was healing the sick women, Uh, he was healing a man with leprosy who was an outcast and he, and he was healing a paralysed man. And then we see him welcoming a tax collector and joining a great banquet at his house. Now, this was just like something that the Jews did not do. They were considered, or well, something that the Pharisees didn't do. They were considered extremely sinful people. Why would Jesus be hanging out with these guys? The Pharisees, they had a big problem with this. They said, why do you eat? And drink with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus responds absolutely beautifully. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is not just for those who turn up to church dressed nicely with no problems. Well, that they show on the outside anyway. No, Jesus says my kingdom is like the one is not like the, the one the Pharisees expected for religious and the pious. But my kingdom is for those who desperately need help. So we've just travelled through the first five chapters of Luke and, and we've seen that Jesus came for everyone. Amen? Everyone. Not just the few chosen people. But you might be kind of thinking, what difference does this make for me today? You might be thinking, you know, I get it. The Jews expected the Messiah was to be their military ruler and their political saviour. They thought that Israel would once again be powerful. I get that he was a different king. It was for all the people, all races, all, all ages, all levels of brokenness or wholeness. It was, it's, it's really good news. And that's what the gospel is, the good news. It was good news. I understand that and it's great. Because I'm a Christian, I have life because of what he did on the cross. Amen? We're all happy about that. But what difference does this core truth make to me today? Today. Well, I want to say to you that sometimes it's hard to see the full extent of the truth when you are living in the promise. It's hard to see the full extent of what you have when you're living in inside it you know the challenge I received as I prepared this message was don't be so enamoured by the blessing 
of knowing Christ for yourself that you miss the promise for all mankind. Unfortunately, for the most part, that's what Israel did. They had the most beautiful promise. And they missed it. They thought it was just for them. They missed the point that the Messiah was to come through Israel for all mankind. Now, while we Christians are so thankful for this truth, I think God wants to expand our understanding. So just to finish, I want to spend some time looking at the fishermen in chapter 4. And uh, we know the story. You know, this is where Jesus calls his first disciples. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 4. And he said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished by the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and they followed You see, up until that time, these ordinary salt-of-the-earth, hard-working fishermen, they'd probably been around Jesus. They'd seen him around. They'd hung out with him perhaps a little. But they knew there was something special about this guy. So Jesus decided to do a little bit of a real-life object lesson with them. As tired as they were, spending all night without catching a thing, Jesus said, go out deeper. further than you normally go and put the neat nets on the other side trust me so they do it and they have such a great catch of fish that they need their friends to help them haul it in but Peter was so convicted and overwhelmed at the same time there was something amazing about this person Jesus and I think Jesus used this real life example to show them just like this great haul of fish you caught by going deeper, by going further, by going on the other side. That I now want you to apply the same vision to people. So that's why I'm calling you. Come now, let's fish for people. No longer fish, let's fish for people. Deeper, further, on the other side. You know what Jesus was doing? He was expanding their worldview. He was expanding their worldview. He's saying, I'm calling you to have a vision as great as I have. Just cast your nets out on the other side, out a little further in faith, and I will bring in the whole of the most unexpected, different people, and they will be welcome in my kingdom. Welcome. And today, I think that's the challenge for all of us. To ask the Lord for fresh vision, 
for fresh faith, to see people as Jesus saw them. To adjust our worldview beyond the boundaries we've unknowingly or knowingly set to see the people the way Jesus sees the people. You know, a few years ago, I had, a, I had two friends, Johnny and Chris. And I got on better with Johnny than Chris. Johnny was a little gentler. He was kind and he was quiet, but Chris was opinionated, difficult, and he had a foul mouth. But we were all friends. And I always thought that Johnny would be more likely to become a Christian. Uh, we could talk about things easily and sometimes things of God would come up. But then I remember one day after hanging out with both of them, I was driving away and the Lord just whispered into my heart, Chris is made in my image too. I love him and he needs me too. You know, that's just hit me. Who am I to limit who God wants to meet? Who am I? Open my eyes, Lord. God wanted me to expand my vision of who he loves, often the unlikely, often the difficult, more often the ones just out of our reach. Today I ask that you would stand with me as we finish off. And if you sense God is prompting you to seek a greater understanding of who he loves when we get, when we get there, uh, I just, you know, put your hand up like this to say, yeah, that's me. When we pray. Seek a greater understanding of who he loves. We want to seek a greater understanding of who he died for of who the kingdom of God is for. It might be that family member that you've been alienated from and you feel there's no more hope. Maybe that group of people in another land, you know, you, you, you've just, your heart's been burning for them for years, but then you've just said no because I can't get there, I can't do anything for them. And you've given up. It may be that work colleague or that person that you see in the cafe each morning who has nothing good to say about life. But today we want to just claim and we want to stand on this promise and this core truth that Jesus came for everyone. Lord, please open our eyes and give us faith to cast the net to the other side, just out a bit further to see people as you see them. Lord, would you open our eyes Lord, would you pound in our heart that you've made people in your image that, that we have always just turned away from. But Lord, we want the Holy Spirit to open our eyes in this way. Lord, I pray that over the coming weeks that we focus on these core truths and we, they may be obvious. Lord, I pray that you would help us think about them in a new way. Refresh our thinking, Lord, on core, the core things of our faith. We know that you came for all, but Lord, help us to live that way. Help us to respond that way. And glorify your name. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We want to follow you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Let's sing.